Any others? Uh, His name is, first name is what? Ken. Ken. All right. I have one question. I have one too. Okay, go ahead. Okay. Um, Missy Travis is on this list, and uh, she's one of my best friends at work. She, she fell down 11 steps leaving the choir loft at her church. She has had a, already had an operation on her leg. She broke her leg, and she's got metal in it, and... Um, she won't be back to work for a minimum of three months, so please keep her in your prayer. She's getting discouraged, and she's in a lot of pain. Okay. Any others? Any praises? Thankful Karen's here with you again today. And Amen. 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 Um, any other praises? Go ahead, John. Um, I received a, a belated uh, birthday present this morning and uh, I received it from the chairman of the Dickens and his wife and was told that I needed to use this during the worship service in case y'all decide to doze off during my sermon so just know I'm loaded <laughs> so flies look out um, I'm so excited about this one <laughs> uh, table salt is cheap and the flies are going to die so <laughs> If it works on bumblebees, Roger, I'll, I'll let you know. <laughs> uh, um, are there any other praises or prayer requests? All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, we love you. Uh, we love you so much. And we lift up every person, Lord, that has been mentioned on this prayer list. Lord, you know each situation. You know their hearts and you know their needs. And God, we're praying that you will touch them. If they're lost, Lord, we pray that the Holy Spirit will convict them and convince them that they need you. Lord, we ask you to, to open up your word to the world. Uh, Lord, there was an article I read this week where there's still 7,441 people groups who have not been reached with the gospel. God, we know that your word is life-changing and transforming. The reason we gather and pray is because we trust you and we have faith that you will keep your promises. You've proved it to us over and over and over again. Lord, we're shifting focus from not only those with physical needs but to those who have spiritual needs. Lord, let us recognize and pray for the lost just as hard and relentless as we pray for the sick and suffering and those that are grieving. Lord, we love you.
May all we do honor you. Bless our time together. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Please stand and turn to page 93. His eye is on the sparrow.
We ask all this in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. Amen. I want to sit down. Yeah. Okay. Okay. No, no, Leah's playing. Leah's going to bring our music ministry today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you. That's right. 
Well, good morning. Um, that's a hard act to follow. Uh, I'm telling you, um, I have nothing but the utmost respect for people that are talented, for I am not. <laughs> uh, I, I tried to lead the, the closing hymn one Sunday, and we had a CD player, and God struck it, and it ain't worked since. And, uh, and that's the truth. <laughs> and those that were here know it's the truth. It was bad. Uh, if you have your Bibles, if you will go ahead and make your way to Hosea chapter 6. Um, I had a cousin who, uh, he looked just like Marty Robbins. If you know who Marty Robbins is. And, uh, and his name was... Uh, John, uh, Jimmy, Jimmy Fannin. Looked just like him. Had his picture made with him at fairs, you know. Jimmy couldn't sing a lick. And somebody asked him, said, well, how come you don't sing? He said, well, he said, when I was young, I swallowed a rubber band and it stuck in my throat. <laughs> you know, uh, my excuse was I ate a hot potato. But uh, anyway, uh, this week has caused me a lot to I've had a lot to think about. Um, we had our Wednesday night Bible study and we started in the chapter 12 of the book of Matthew. And we probably did about half of it, but the first seven verses really struck a chord. And, uh, and so uh, it's about Jesus telling them for the second time, telling the, the religious leaders of Israel for the second time that he required mercy not sacrifice and I've been thinking about how that looks what that sounds like um, and it boils down to the question um, that he makes later on or, or where he asked you know does not a man who builds a house project the cost to see that he has enough to complete the house and it's basically the same thing um, have we ever sat down and realized and thought about what our salvation has cost us? Now we know it. we have no idea how much and how painful our sins, personal sins were suffered by Jesus. We know he suffered terribly. But since you have received your salvation, what does it cost you? Did you not contemplate the cost before you accepted Christ or right after? And if you're like uh, if you're like me and so many others, it costs you a lot. Um, it costs you some so-called friends. Uh, it costs you some relationships. It probably cost you a lot of ribbon from your so-called friends. Um, especially when God started to twist your heart. When he started to change your heart and you started to realize that 
know, this is not about right and wrong. This is about someone who saved me, saved my life. Am I living honorably enough? Am I trusting honorably enough and deep enough to be worthy of that sacrifice? Those are the questions that I've been contemplating all week. Um, and so if you'll turn to Hosea chapter 6, uh, in verse 6 it says, For I desired mercy and not sacrifice, and the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. That is a profound statement because we're going to go through some more verses. Um, see, in, in Matthew chapter 9, when we studied it in verse 13, it says, But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but to the sinners. The sinners. Why does he not call the righteous? They've got it all figured out. They don't need salvation. They have it all figured out. They're righteous. They're so pious and self-absorbed that they can't see their own faults. That's what Jesus was telling the nation of Israel. And I will get into it a little bit more here in, in a few seconds, but have we reached the point to where we're satisfied with our salvation? Have we reached the point to where, okay, Lord... I've done enough. I've done enough. I've done enough works to satisfy my salvation. But it's not about works. It's about faith. It's about being humble and having mercy. Are we holding grudges? Is there somebody way back, no matter where, that we have a grudge against? Received a phone call this week from a lady who uh, has some issues with some family members, and rightly so. She came to Christ about six months ago, and she was confused. She confronted her family members with the issue, and they exploded and didn't want to talk about it and shut her out. I said, you've done exactly what God's called you to do. You forgave them. You asked them and told them for forgiveness. They did not do that. That is between them and God. You did your part. She said, well, am I still supposed to serve them? I said, yes, ma'am. I said, and you preach the gospel every time you go around them and to quote Adrian Rogers when necessary use words let your life's testimony be a witness to them and then we got to talking about this I said Christ desires mercy not sacrifice and to show you that this has been something that the that Israel had been doing for a long time, they had been sacrificing and sacrificing and sacrificing, yet they did not understand that God didn't desire the death of bulls and goats and sheep. He did not desire the blood on the altar. 
He did not desire the fat of the cows. He desired a relationship with them. And they were great, pious, always made sure they did the offerings and the sacrifices correctly. But their attitude, their hearts were not there. That's the problem with modern day Christianity today. They serve. They sacrifice. But their hearts are not there. And all you have to do is look across the look across the spectrum of all the denominations and churches that are being infiltrated by politically, politically correctness. By anti-godless within the walls of the church. Jesus warned us. Warned us. That they were going to come like sheep's, like wolves in sheep's clothing. To devour. They are agents of Satan. Not followers of Christ. And Matthew chapter 12 verse 7 says, If only you had known the meeting. Now you have to understand, he was being questioned and called out because his disciples were doing what was legal on the Sabbath, which wasn't the Sabbath. They were walking through the grain field on the edge eating grain. And the fact that the Pharisees were watching them put them at fault too because they were working on the Sabbath, watching and looking over them to see if they made any mistakes. He said, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. You would not have condemned the guiltless. Most of the time when we condemn people and make judgments, we're guilty. We're guilty. Mark chapter 12 verse 33 and to love him with all your heart with all your understanding with all your strength and your love and to love your neighbor as yourself which is more important than all the burnt offerings and sacrifices we're to love our neighbors as ourselves we're to have a deep deep relationship with our Lord and Savior He desires that. That's how we grow. That's how we come to understand all the magnificent uh, burdens He's relieved us of. You know, He tells us, take my yoke, my yoke is light. His yoke is light because we're not having to follow 690 some rules that man made to put burdens on people. Think about the burdens we have today that are placed upon us. You can't do this because if you do this, it's a sacrilegious, blasphemous. As long as you're walking with Jesus Christ and you have a relationship with Him, ritual should not keep you from enjoying all the benefits that Christ has to offer you, no matter what denomination you're in. Now, I'm not telling you that we need to scrap everything that we historically do. I'm not saying that at all. What I am saying is if we are putting burdens on people, we need to quit. If our rules and our regulations and our laws are causing people to stumble, we need to move them, remove them.
Go back to Samuel. 1 Samuel 15.22. And we're going to get into the Old Testament for a while. So this is not a new concept. Jesus was quoting the Old Testament to the Pharisees who should have knew it. But they chose not to remember it. How many of you pick up the Bible? Especially in your formative years as a, with your walk with Christ and you ran across something you didn't like. Have you ever returned to those scriptures? You read it, immediately you had a response. That's called conviction. And so what did you do? You weren't prepared to face that. Closed the book, opened it up again a few chapters away. Start reading again and lo and behold, there it comes up again. telling you you need to deal with this whatever it is anyway in 1522 in 1 Samuel it says but Samuel declared does not does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and the sacrifices as much as in observing the voice of the Lord behold obedience is better than sacrifice and attentiveness is better than the fat of rams be obedient to the Word of God. Be obedient to the twirling of the Holy Spirit in your heart. You know when you've done something that wasn't right? Trust me, I know immediately. I get this sick feeling right, right there. And I have a need, I need, to, I need to get it off. I have to go to the Lord and ask Him to forgive me. And then starts the process of whatever caused it, I need to go make it right. Psalm 58. I do not rebuke you for your sacrifices and your burnt offerings are ever before me. He rebuked them because their hearts were far from him. Proverbs. To do righteousness and justice is more desirable to the Lord than sacrifices. The wisest man in the world wrote that. To do righteousness and justice is more desirable to the Lord than sacrifice. Isaiah 1.11 what, what is your multitude of sacrifices to me? Says the Lord. I am full from burnt offerings of rams and the fat of well-fed cattle. I do not delight in the blood of bulls, of lambs and goats, but I delight in the heart that seeks me. Are we seeking God with our heart? Or are we seeking Him with our mind? Are we seeking Him, seeking him with our whole selves? Jeremiah 7.22 For when I brought your fathers out of the land of Egypt I did not merely command them about burnt offerings and sacrifices. He told them that their hearts should be right. The priests should prepare themselves before they do this. Kind of like when we take communion. No, it's not kind of. It's exactly like when we take communion. Prepare your hearts to receive communion. Prepare your hearts to receive the sacrifices of the nation so that I will not judge you. Hosea 
2.20 And I will betroth you in faithfulness and you will know the Lord. He's telling us way back here. Way back here in the Old Testament. Faithfulness is how you come to me. Not sacrifice. And unfortunately there's a lot of denominations that are works based. Works based. 14.2 Hosea Bring your confessions and return to the Lord. Say to him, I take away all your iniquity and receive us graciously that we may present the fruit of our lips. See, if we're not seeking God with all our heart and we haven't prayed up and we haven't asked for forgiveness on a daily basis so that we can maintain the relationship, our prayers are rotten to God. Our lips are full of deceit. That's why we have to maintain constant, loving humbleness before God. We have to. Our prayer lives depend on it. Have you been praying lately and seem like your prayers are going nowhere? You might want to, just like we do for communion, you might want to check yourself. You might want to check yourself. And then we go to Romans 12. Mentions it great. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. See, Paul appeals to, appeals to the will, to our will, God calls us to make a choice about the way we will live for him. And on a daily basis, we need to make that choice. Are we going to live for him today or are we going to live for us? Are we going to seek him with all of our heart or are we half-heartedly going to do it? Then it says, it is Paul's pattern. He, he begins these letters with a great exhortations for Christian living and then he starts to lay things out he does the, the, the uh, commending them for their actions and he does the condemnation and it says by the mercies of God whereas the heathen are prone to sacrifice in order to obtain mercy Biblical faith teaches that the divine mercy provides the basis for, of sacrifice as the fitting response. Harrison wrote that. And he goes on, think of all the mercies of God that Paul has explained to us thus far. Now you have to understand that chapter 11 and 12 is about Christian living. And, and it goes on. But justification from our guilt and penalty of sin. Let me repeat that. Justification from the guilt and penalty of sin. Adoption in Jesus and identification with Christ. Placed under grace not law think about these mercies we've received 
given the Holy Spirit to live within us. Promise to help us in all afflictions. Not just some. Every affliction we encounter, the Holy Spirit is there to help us. Assurance of standing in God's election. We are assured our standing before God by the mercy that we receive from Christ. Confidence of the coming glory. Not just our glory, but His glory. Confidence of no separation from the love of God. Who's in my hand? No man can separate. You can't be separated from the love of God. Confidence in God's continued and eternal faithfulness. It's not just while we're here that His faithfulness is to us. It's when we get to the other side. In light of all the mercy, past, present, and future, Paul begs us to do what? Present our bodies a living sacrifice. Because of mercy. Because of faithfulness. Present your bodies connected with the idea of living sacrifices. Let me tell you something. The first century pagans, the first century Jews understood the term sacrifice. Something died and was offered. And if you're going to be a living sacrifice, what do you die to? Self. For what? For Christ and God's kingdom. And you don't think that that statement didn't ring some minds? See, we in the West, in modern times, we have no idea the depth of sacrifice. We have no idea what ritual sacrifice looked like. We've read about it. We've heard about it. We've, we've been told about it in the Bible. But we haven't experienced it. We don't know the smells, the sounds. We don't know the chantings that went on. So whenever you say a living sacrifice, we're talking about our spirit. We're talking about our flesh. We're talking about our mind. We're talking about our whole bodies, the way we live. We give the body to God. The soul and the spirit go with it. The sacrifice is living because it is brought alive to the altar. Every Sunday, every Wednesday, every time you hit your knees, you're bringing the living sacrifice before God. The sacrifice is living because it is alive at the altar and ongoing. 
and it's holy and acceptable to God when we offer our body. God intends it to be holy and acceptable. The standard for sacrifices for God in the New Testament under the New Covenant is no different than the standard in the Old Testament. We're to be perfect without blemish. Pure. Every sacrifice had to be holy and acceptable to God. He shall bring a male without blemish. Well, ladies, you got to come without blemishes too. But if there is a defect in it, if it is lame, blind, or has any serious defect, you shall not sacrifice it to the Lord your God. If we come before God laden with sin, we cannot be a holy sacrifice until we get healed. We do that through our relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm going to close with this. Because a holy sacrifice is a sweet aroma to the Lord. How do you get a sweet aroma? Have you ever been riding down the road and smell somebody barbecuing in the backyard? Unless you're a vegetarian, man, it smells good in your mouth waters. It's a sweet aroma. It almost makes you want to turn around and invite yourself. And if you're a vegetarian, just ride by when people are mowing the grass. I'm sorry there. I digressed a little bit. I'm going to close with Micah. 6 8. He has shown you, O mankind, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God? Nothing has changed since this was written until today. God and Jesus Christ requires us because He's shown us, O mankind, that covers everybody, the lost and the saved. What is good? And God requires you and me to act justly, to love mercy, and walk humbly with our God. If you're here today and you have issues with anything that was said, the altar is open. I will be down here to receive you if you need my prayer. But don't leave here today unless you are right with God because he's coming and we're not promised tomorrow let's pray father God I love you and I thank you for this day I thank you for this your mercies Lord I give us the ability to apply mercy to our lives and walk it out there's a whole dark world out there Lord that needs mercy they need to know that there are humble people out there that love them because you love them Lord, we love you. I ask that not one soul leave here today with a peace of mind that it has issues before you. Resolve them today at the altar. Now, the kingdom of heaven is near. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Please stand and turn to page 170.